2016 version of the Bearded Carcast, episode 15, season two. Glad you're listening. Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. We are excited here. It's right, right in the heart of March Madness. We've got to cut to the chase. There's a ton to talk about. We've got the college basketball weekend that was. We've got the upcoming weekend. We've got pass interference to discuss mm. and the start of baseball season. There is a lot going on. A plethora of activity, as you would say. All right, well, so let's get some initial thoughts on the uh, the first first and second round of the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, I think what we discussed pre-tournament was right. The committee did a really good job, and hence the one seeds, the two seeds, and the three seeds have all moved on. That's three-quarters of the Sweet 16. The best teams are the best teams. That was pretty clear before the tournament began. I felt that there were eight very strong teams. Now we're in the Sweet 16. One, one, and one, two. Two of those eight teams are in each of the four brackets. There were not a huge number of upsets. There also was not a tremendous amount of drama in the first four days. That's yeah. not to say there weren't great games. Right. The Duke Central Florida yeah. game was phenomenal. That was an outstanding game, and you know you, you feel bad for the Central Florida kids. And I know there's a lot made of the you know crying in the locker room, but you know I thought Johnny Dawkins had a had a great speech. And you know you put a, you work hard to do something. I don't know. I mean the play that's forgotten. The biggest play of the game was just under two minutes to go. Central Florida is leading by four. They're on the fast break. They throw an alley-oop to their best player, and he doesn't catch it and yeah. dunk it. It stays a four-point game. Duke comes down and hits a three, and suddenly it's a one-point game. And we can get into whether the ball actually hit the rim oh, and yeah. the Zion Williamson drive and then the R.J. Barrett offensive rebound on the foul and then the final plays of the game where, boy, I, I really thought Central Florida, either on the layup or the tip back, were going to hit it. But Central Florida had their opportunity. They had a chance. I mean, they were in a position. You're right. And then, you know, you had, you had two looks at the end there, and you— they, they didn't get that stick back in, which was the tip-in, which is was and, a tough break. the big upset is what was missing yeah. from the first four days. That was a close call. I don't understand the betting odds. Duke went from a prohibitive favorite before the tournament began to kind of a tepid favorite now. Their odds actually have gone up. Right. Yeah. I, I heard an explanation about that, uh, and it's because the, the, there was so much chalk that there's so there are more quality teams now than there would be had there been the usual number of upsets. Well, that that may be true, but you don't know where the upsets are going to occur. I didn't hear a lot of people jumping up and down and saying, "Yeah, I think Michigan State is going to get right. upset." Well, Michigan State was the same team before the tournament that they are now, and Duke still is in line to face them if they get by Virginia Tech. But there is a, a chance to this, though. I mean, there are a lot of times teams you think are going to go deep don't go deep. I mean, a couple years ago, you know, Duke loses to Lehigh. You know, some of those you don't really forecast. I, I just, the, the explanation there doesn't make sense to me because, yes, you expect there to be upsets. You don't know where the upsets are going to be. So, yes, we have 16 strong teams remaining, but I'm not sure why anyone believed that Duke was going to face in any easier path than, than someone else would have. The, our friends in Vegas have a different opinion on that. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> I, I, I think the money from the public oh, is, that might, no, is, that's a, that's, is now yeah. not nearly as that, confident no, in Duke after the Central Florida game. And as we talked about before the tournament, Virginia Tech is really good. Good and, ball coach. And, and yep. getting back Justin uh, is huge. So you look at that matchup, 
Virginia Tech beat them the first time. Jackson didn't play. Neither did Zion in that game. And it, it should be a good one. I think Michigan State is better than LSU. They're certainly a lot better coached. Again, it looks like Duke and Michigan State, which would be a phenomenal game. No, that's going to be an outstanding game. And what did you make of uh, Tom Izzo and, and the controversy of, you know. That's coaching. Yeah. That, 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 that's coaching. I mean, I understand that in a normal workplace, if someone's sitting at their desk and they get berated by their boss, like that doesn't work. But this is a basketball court. They wear shorts and T-shirts to work. I mean, if you go to any practice from any coach ever, you're going to see some of that sort of stuff. And it's not like the Michigan State players buried him. They talked right. about that. That That's part of the deal. But, I, but it, you know, I mean, there's an element, obviously, in cult, in our culture where, you know, you, you do want to have, you know, maybe more civility. I, I just, maybe it's because you and I, are, I don't want to say have been, uh, been through this a lot. I, I didn't think it was that big a deal. I think it's a nothing. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I mean, s- you know, look, like you said, I mean, the, the, the players all – Stuck to him, and it wasn't like it's out of character for Tom Izzo. I mean, it's not like it's just. I think as a society, we've kind of, uh, when it comes to that, we've kind of gotten soft. Now it's different because, yeah, when you see like uh, videos of guys in practice and they're really going off on him, using really profane language. Well, yeah, that's a different animal. There are certain words that can't be used, and there are certain actions that can't be accepted. I did not think he crossed a line, and in fact, I think if you went to practice at I don't know, 200 of the 350 Division yeah. One schools, you would see something worse than that on a semi-regular basis. Well, and we've seen even, um, you know, in our in our tenure at Windsor, but we've seen coaches go after players, but, you know, you don't see it um, maybe to the point where it's in excess. So, I don't know, I thought it was a big nothing, too. And, you know, obviously the players, uh, it worked, it responded. And then he had a kind of funny, when they asked him the next game about how his team was out-rebounded, by a smaller team in the first half. And he said, well, we came together in the locker room and we really talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was good but, but But back to that top half of the bracket. Justin Robinson adds a ton for Virginia Tech. And Duke obviously has been one of the best teams in the country all year long. I think Michigan State is the easier path. I mean, yes, LSU is immensely talented and athletic. I don't know that I thought they were overly impressive against Maryland. It was two very physical teams. But... LSU doesn't have a coach, and if you don't have a coach and you're playing, you know, kind of an okay, pretty good team, that's one thing. If you're facing Cassius Winston, maybe the best leader in the tournament, and Tony Benford, who is filling in, maybe mm-hmm. he's filling in well for Will Wade, I, I think that's a real mismatch. I think it's going to be Michigan State and, and probably Duke, but I do think Virginia Tech gives him a good game. In the Gonzaga bracket, Gonzaga has looked really good twice because they are really good. I have been waiting for Florida State to play the B-minus game. I think they were pretty good against a game Vermont team, and they were really Really good good against Murray State. State. But my guess is the rug gets pulled out from under them against Gonzaga. I think this is the one where the public saw the run they made last year. The public saw the run they made in the ACC tournament this year. Really impressive against Murray State. I think Gonzaga's got better coaching, more talent, deeper, playing a pseudo-home game. I think it's Gonzaga, and I think it's Gonzaga easy. I like Texas Tech and Michigan. I think that is a terrific basketball game. It is two of the absolute best coaches in the country, and 
it should be a low-scoring, knockout, drag-out sort of game. Um, I think Michigan is better, but I don't think it with any conviction. And then, uh, you know, Virginia, obviously, you know, do they have the Virginia in them, if you will? You know, the Clemsoning was a term a couple years ago before Dabo Sweeney really got things rolling at Clemson. They would lose kind of that big game or maybe lose that game they weren't supposed to win in football. And, you know, Virginia kind of has that reputation uh, in basketball, but, you know, they seem to be clicking on all cylinders right but now. But it, it's hard to tell because Gardner-Webb just isn't of their class. And I they, mean, it was a good 20 minutes for yeah, Gardner-Webb. Yeah, they, they hung around for a half. And Oklahoma was a, a middling Big 12 team this year that Virginia handled relatively easily. Now they're deep Well, you know the key to that Virginia-Gardner-Webb game was that John and I stayed for that yeah, game. That, well, yes, that was the key because someone in the room <laughs> decided not to stick around for the end of the UMBC yeah, game last, last year. year. Hey, you brought it up. I um, did, I did. Now, Virginia theoretically faces the easiest opponent because Oregon is the only not top five seed left right and they struggled for large parts of the season ball ball got hurt Mm -hmm. at the beginning but Dana Altman's a really good coach they made the run through the Pac-12 tournament and they were pretty darn good this week I mean their wins were both decisive and impressive and, and and they've got guys King is really good and I think he's only a freshman but let me ask you this because we talked about last week do you put a little asterisk or do you pick against teams embroiled in scandal of some sort because LSU's got that but the Michael Avenatti news that broke yesterday uh, Oregon's right in the middle of that well I would have thought at the beginning of this that that would play something to it. Now, last year, there was some merit to that, that some of the teams that were kind of early on didn't do so well. You know, we, we kind of applied that test to LSU, and that hasn't right. That hasn't panned out. But, you know, I, I mean, think Auburn is still playing. Auburn is still playing, yeah. So I don't think it's had the impact this year that it did last year. Maybe it's because of what happened last year, Dave, with on the Adidas side of things, where maybe it's not as – not that it's – I mean, let's face it. I, I think there's been rumblings of – shenanigans for years, right? I mean, this this is this doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. The surprise was that the FBI actually got involved and there's wiretaps. And so I think maybe last year it was a, it was a surprise to the system a little bit. This year, I think it's it's I think teams are able to kind of get past that. I, I agree and I disagree. Let, let's be blunt about it. Virginia is better than Oregon. Yeah, they, they, they have more good players, but Oregon is playing very well and they're very well coached. That being said, with everything that's gone on the last couple of days with Avenatti and the allegations right. with Bull Bull and Nike, it would be impossible for Dana Altman not to think about that a little bit, which means the thoughts he's putting into that are not going into preparation for Virginia. But is there an easy, I don't want to say easy out, but is there kind of an easy out because it's a one versus a 12, as opposed to if this were a you yeah. know two or a three seed? Yeah, I mean, Virginia is better and Oregon may be slightly distracted. Purdue is playing terrific. Tennessee has been, I don't know, good or or pretty good. They they weren't great against Iowa. They kind of blew that big lead, but they regathered themselves and figured it out. Um, Purdue has been one of the most impressive teams in the tournament, but I thought the Big East was terrible, so beating Villanova is not overly impressive. Well, they they waxed Villanova. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean— Villanova just wasn't good. The Big East didn't have any good teams no, this the year. Big That's East why Marquette the Big East went the out right. er, early. But but Purdue, I mean, they were 
tied for first place in one of the best conferences in the country. Carson Edwards is a dynamic player. I think that should be a really good game. I don't see any reason why that shouldn't be a very, very competitive game. All right, so let's look at the Midwest. North Carolina uh, is going to be taking on Auburn. So, you know, a team that we talked about last year, you, a team that we saw last year. I know they're a little bit different than they were this year, but it's, it's Carolina and it's Roy Williams and it's, you know, that team's loaded. And, you know, Luke May, you know, obviously folks here in the Carolinas have a. Have I mean, a, like Oregon, though, Auburn playing great ball, won the SEC tournament, have looked, I don't know good or really good in in the NCAA. Now, that was not the Kansas team that, you know, we're used to, and we talked about that last week. I thought that Kansas and Kansas State kind of were too injured and, and not, not full enough to really compete, but still, Auburn won the games, and they won them relatively easily. I think North Carolina is better than Auburn, but it, it should be an interesting game, and if Kentucky doesn't get their leading scorer yeah. back, I don't know. I think Houston's pretty tough. Yeah, that's going to be a big matchup. Another team that you and I saw this year, Kentucky. Yep. Yep, good team. And uh, I don't know, will Cal be signing uh, basketballs after the yeah. game like he does at home? We'll I see. I just hope he doesn't clunk one off my laptop. <laughs> It'll be fun, though. I mean, when you don't have upsets, when you yeah. have all of these top teams, you should end up with high-quality, competitive games. I think that was a little bit of the complaint of the first couple rounds, too. Right. There were games with great drama, like the New Mexico State loss, but teams were not making plays at mm -hmm. the end of the games. We didn't see a lot of games where there were big plays made for victory. We saw teams have opportunities and not come up large. Well, and I end. think we saw... Um we saw a lot of teams where maybe the teams that had a chance to make the upset weren't not only were they not making plays, but they weren't making the smart plays. Yeah. So hopefully it leads to a good weekend. And I, I don't know if we've broken any major ground there. I told you, I like the top four seeds and the top eight seeds to start with. Yeah. I don't really see a tremendous reason to change that. Opinion. And we're kind of out of upset land, right? I mean, unless Oregon, Oregon's really at this point, if you're going, you know, top four in every bracket, except that one. So, I mean, now it's, you know, chalk continues, it looks like. Yeah, which should lead to good games, but you don't have that Cinderella, which kind of makes the tournament a lot of fun. Let's move on, though, to the topic of yeah. the day. And this is the Bearded Carcast. I'm Dave Freakman with Mike Pacheco. Send us your comments, questions, thoughts, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow us on social media, like us, etc., etc., etc. Subscribe. Subscribe. Please do. We like subscribers. Absolutely. So the NFL did what the NFL does. They reacted to something that took place yeah. and they made what certainly on paper seems to be a major rule change where offensive and defensive pass interference are now not only allowed to be challenged during the course of the game, but will be automatically reviewed in the final two minutes of a half. All right. So philosophically, I think there's merit to this. I think in reality, though, you're opening up Pandora's box because you're still opening this up for interpretation. So 
now you're going to ask somebody in the, you know, either in the replay booth or, you know, on the field to make uh, a decision that still somebody's not going to be happy with. I don't, it's going to be a little bit to me like the catch. Uh, like, what is a catch? What isn't a catch? What is passing interference? What's not passing interference? It's going to be up to, you know, whoever the lead official is, really, to determine that, which I don't oh, have a problem with. It's up to New with. York. Well, and New York, but with input from New York. Um, my my biggest concern with this, though, is um, is not so much the replay decision. It was something that they admitted afterwards, which is that the, I think it was about four and a half minutes left to go. Rams are... Uh, went downfield to Brandon Cooks, and they, they said, well, this play would have been passing interference, which to me uh, was not over. I mean, we've seen 10 times worse not called. Right, and this goes back to the discussion that we had, I don't know if it was during the last football season or the previous one, about what should the standard to overturn a call right. be. To me, it should be. Like that didn't, to me, that play, it, there was contact, but it didn't, to me, it didn't really affect Brandon Cooks' ability to catch right. that ball. But what is the definition of a call that should be overturned? We always hear the preponderance of evidence yeah. or without a doubt. Right. Or what, what, what's the measuring stick? That's the wrong measuring stick. Yeah. It needs to be 51% because you want to get the call right as certain as you possibly can be. If it's 80-20 that pass interference occurred and you go, yeah, we don't have enough evidence on that. Well, then what's the point of having the rule right. to start with? If the fumble was recovered, you think, by one team, 70-30, you should give the ball to right. that team. It was more than likely right. that they made a clean but recovery. But isn't there, there's it. a consistency issue, though, isn't there, too? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about the rule change, though. I haven't read this. I, I, I'm curious to get your interpretation on it. All scoring plays are reviewed, right? Inside of two minutes... It can be no, throughout the whole game. All scoring yeah, plays right, yes. are reviewed. If there's a touchdown, that play's reviewed. Yeah. So now can a touchdown pass take place and the scoring plays automatically reviewed, buzz down, yeah, it was a clean catch, but there was offensive pass interference. That's oh, not that, a touchdown. It, yeah, that's that'll fall into um that rule of what else can you right, what else can you rule? I think to me the other that's a big concern. The other concern too, Dave, is now, they still have two challenges. If they win the, you know, if they win the challenge, they can get the third. So that, so I'm not worried about it bogging down the game for 56 minutes. Right. But the final two minutes of each half, if you have a touchdown or less game, and you know one team is driving and has a chance, you know, like a each team has a chance for a possession inside, and they're just gunslinging down the field. I mean, you could have every single play reviewed. Yeah, that that's right. I mean. I think you can no longer use your timeouts. The, the, the idea that you can challenge pass interference, either way, you, you can't use timeouts for anything other than that. Because if you're up by three at the end of the game yeah. and the other team throws a 35-yard pass to get in the field goal range, you got to challenge to see if there was offensive right. pass interference to take that 35-yard right. Play away. Right, so you really have to save your timeouts. You really have yeah. to save your yeah. timeouts. I mean, early in the game, it's third down and three. There's a run. Maybe he got it. Maybe he didn't. Call on the field is he's short. You're at midfield. you got to just send the punting unit out and kick it or line up and go for it. But you you, know you, you can't challenge that because you need that challenge later. Well, and, uh, exactly. I mean, I was just going to say the play that's not going to get reviewed anymore. I mean, it's reviewable, 
but early in a game where you're worried about a spot at the 30-yard line, nope. To, nope, that's that's gone. Can't you can't. And Sean Payton said this. that. Sean Payton said, you know what, the the bringing this in, looking at uh, DPI and pa- pa- offensive passing interference, it's going to make the coaches more choosy. Absolutely. Now, how is it going to change the game? Because if you watch game in and game out. There's a lot of jostling, pushing off by the receiver. But, the, but, but yeah, exactly. But there are times where the defensive player and the offensive player are going for the same spot, which is legal. Um, but but I, you might think if I may have grabbed a little bit of an advantage by just twisting around just a hair. You, I, I, you said it earlier, Dave. What is the standard going to be? Because it has to be more clean cut, clear cut. And I don't, I, I don't, I think this is going to open up more. Is it going to come back though? To, to. Well, it's kind of like the catch, right? I mean, the catch is all these different permutations. I, I think offensive and defensive passing interference, it's going to go through a little bit of a process. I think there's going to be an overreaction to this year. Then they'll go back next year and they'll, they'll, they'll tinker with things because they'll say, you know, is it okay to grab your arm even though your arm wasn't involved in the play? You know, I mean, like, so where, where, where does passing interference start? Can you challenge, though, and lose in the sense that I challenge, I think it's defensive pass interference. The ruling on the field is there's no penalty. Oh, wait, there was offensive pass interference, and now I'm marching backwards? Yeah, I, 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 think, that's how, I think that's how I read it. It's, I think it's a kind of a— It's that, pretty that, interesting. Let, let's get to the bigger point sure. here. Do you think— replay on subjective calls is good or bad because either like you said with the catch with pass interference should we have replay for all of those things or should we have replay for none of those things i think it's pandora's box dave i think when you open it up to subjective stuff like where do you stop it and this is the thing i was thinking about when we uh, you know we kind of were, were texting back and forth uh, about what we we're going to talk about today and I, I really started thinking about this subjective stuff because I think with technology you want to do everything you can to get it right it, it's all about trying to get the call right but it comes at the expense sometimes of game flow and, and how far do you, do you go into that and then the other part of the piece to this is that sometimes and we talked about this a couple months ago uh, and it was more so on baseball I think you should use technology whenever you can to enhance things but there is still the human element, and I'm not saying it's it's right that you know officials make mistakes. You know we want them to be as as high percentage correct. You know I mean the, the standard for excellence between pilots, heart surgeons, any kind of serious surgeon, and uh, referees is extremely high. Two of them are life threatening. You know with surgeons or with doctors and with pilots, you understand why that has to be a high number. But with referees. Oh, guy blows a call. In a, but but the, the, the overlying question is, should we or should we not review subjective calls? But, but, but this is the long wind-up to get to this point, Dave, because, look, sometimes there are mistakes made. Interpretations can be different. You and I could look at the same play by the letter of the law and still come up with two different interpretations. So that's why I think subjective calls, I think it opens it up self maybe to more debate, more discussion. Maybe that's good. Maybe that, that fuels podcasts and it fuels talk radio and it, it burns up Twitter. Uh, but, I, but I think there's we, we as a society have to realize when it comes to games, these are games. I know they're big business, but they're still games. Human element is still a part of it. If Tom Brady... So, if so Tom, no, hold on a minute. If Tom Brady misses a read, he doesn't get a redo. 
You know what I mean? Like if 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 um you know if I'm in the outfield and and I got a can of corn and the ball pops out of my glove, I clearly should have had it. I don't get to I don't get to drop a red flag and go, hey, hit that back out to me. I'm gonna catch it this time. Right. I mean, officials well, I are part of the game. Your position is your position that we should not review subjective plays. That's what, That's fine. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is the subjective calls. It, it it fuels into the human element. You have to have everything kind of. So you think we should not review subjective calls? Yes. Which is fine. But that means you're okay with the wrong team going to the Super Bowl last year. But, all right. I don't know how many more times I can explain this, Dave. Error is part of things. It's not great. But it's okay if the wrong team went yeah. to the Super Bowl. That's okay. Yeah, but the, but, but the point is, it, it, where do you stop things? I mean, you could take it to the nth degree, and why are we playing the games? I mean, the mistakes are part, mistakes, interpretation, yeah, I mean, it's all part of things. That, there's no question you're right. There's there are two options. Like, I think we get bogged down too much in, and maybe it's because there's a lot of money involved. And what I mean by that is, obviously, you know, when people go watch an NFL game on Sunday, you know, on a subjective call, half the bar is excited, half the bar is pissed off, and then the guys that have money on the game are ready to, you know, rip up cars and shoot people. Not, uh, I shouldn't say shoot people. That's not a good example, but... In, but you know what I mean. There, like, there are two options. Either we're okay with human mistake, and sometimes an error. I think is it's part of the place, game. That's, that's my all point. Right. And in doing that, you have better game flow, and the games are shorter, and it's kind of the way we've always known it. Or you have what we have in college basketball, which is a million stoppages at the end of the game yeah. to check the monitor. But more often than not, we get it right. I mean, either is fine. If you're okay with the Saints missing out on the Super Bowl last year, then of course we shouldn't change anything. Without that play, this isn't a discussion at all. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's wrong. It would be my preference at 51% that we just make our best guess at everything and get it closer to right but See, I agree with that. I, I would say it, it should be try to get it as right as as correct as possible. But at some point, you have to the game has to breathe. And like you said, I mean, um, I mean, one of the changes I would make in, in in on the men's basketball side is do what they did in the women's game: make it four quarters, do away with the one and one, and after five fouls in in each quarter, you shoot two free throws. I mean, it, 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 why it, is that better though? It's just different. Oh well, all right. So this is—I know half the people are going to tune out, and, um, and you know, you. I'm like, not talking about hockey. No, 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 no. Because you know, I—I I, look. I've done a lot of women's basketball. I enjoy the game. The when they went from that change from doing the the same traditional style of men's basketball to they went to more of the international. The last, uh, I guess, it was three years ago. It, I mean, it that's it. The game cleaned up. It sped up. It right, was, but the biggest reason for that is games that aren't on TV don't have two-minute and 20-second commercial breaks. Well, now they do. <laughs> right. So, so like, like, yeah, it speeds up the game, but if you want to speed up the game, just have fewer commercials. Yeah, but... I, I mean, maybe there are a few less free throws because you get into the bonus. No, but, there was a, but, the, but the end of games, there was a better flow. I mean, you, you, obviously, you still had timeouts, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I like the way the, the games flowed better. Now, the commercials, that's a, different, that's a completely different issue. I mean... That's the deal with all of this, with the baseball rule changes that they're proposing for next year, the NFL. I mean, at some point, all the stoppages are good for business right. and bad for the flow of the game. Right. I mean, in baseball, there's a really easy way to bridge the gap between what we have now, which is constant pitching changes and therefore this bog down, right. and 
the alternative of you can't switch pitchers unless a guy faces three batters. Here's the answer to it. You want to switch pitchers, you do it. You don't need seven warm-up tosses on the mound. You're throwing down on the bullpen. 30 seconds later, you're on the mound. The guy gets two warm-up tosses, go. and let's go. Yeah, that, that's a, yeah, I agree with that. But they secretly like those seven warm-up tosses because they can play 90 seconds of commercials. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it all comes down to dollars and cents. One of the best bargains, uh, for those of you that, that want to spend some money in baseball, one of the best bargains out there is the pitching change. Because you, you always get more than what you're. <laughs> you oh yeah, if you yeah if you're if it's if, when it's time for a change, think speedy oil change and tune up. I that's ingrained in my head from <laughs> listening to Giants games for for years. Well, and it's years like it's like the up. guy that uh, did the the charge call. Right. Yeah. Anytime there's an offensive foul, there's a charge that's sponsored by somebody. Yeah. That's that that's the way you want to integrate your advertising. So then that's a good transition. This is the Bearded Podcast. I'm Dave Friedman with Mike Pacheco. Baseball season opening day is here. I know we've talked about it in the past. I won't go into great detail on it. I think it's the most overrated day in sports. Opening day is the same as day two. It just so happens a lot of people show up for the first game, which is no more meaningful than game two. But general thoughts on baseball season. What are the things you're interested in? All right. Well, first of all, and I know we've hashed this a million times, but I'm just going to get my two cents in and then we'll move on. It'll be very quick. Dave, it's, it's the first day. It's, 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 it's hope. Hope springs eternal. We've, we've come out of the winter, and now it's 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 on on. We're looking to summer. Right, you're one and zero. That's you're, you're great. One and you're the Orioles. You're still going to lose. No, but the best. Games. Well, the best thing about that is when I was a kid, the Boston Herald, like whenever the Red Sox would lose, it was like, oh, there it goes. The year's yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> we lost opening Undefeated day. season. Now, I, I would say this, um, and probably if you grew up in Chicago or Boston, um, A's probably didn't have this from a traditional standpoint, but in Boston, opening day is like a holiday. But it I mean, you be. would cut, you would cut classes. I know it's just, it's just, the way. now remember it was a different time and a different, you know, baseball had a different, um, excitement level. And it still does in, in, in markets that have MLB. I mean, baseball's biggest problem to me isn't so much the You've markets said it before, that they're in. It's, it's regional and it makes complete yeah, sense. Yeah. It's gone from, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like but a big more popular pic- hockey. Big picture topics. Like you can already talk about what the big topics are for football season. Cleveland. How are they going to be? What's Kyler Murray going to look right. like? Like we can come up with a million of these. Does Tom Brady still have anything left? Yada, yada, right, yada. Right. We can come up with six or eight or ten major themes for the NFL season right now. Baseball season literally starts in like 24 hours, yeah. right? Well, technically it started last week. But it started in Japan. Yeah. What What are the big themes for the season? Well, I think the big theme, not because I'm a Red Sox fan, but, you know, do they repeat? Do they have enough in the in the back end of their bullpen? That's the same, though. Every, every season in every sport, that's a theme. What makes this baseball season interesting and unique? Well, you're not going to like the Yankee one I'm about to bring at you. I mean, obviously the Yankees, uh, they, they're dealing with some injuries right now, but they might have, when healthy, the best bullpen in baseball. Um, you know, John uh, Carlos Stanton, uh, Aaron Judge. I think those guys, what kind of power numbers are they going to put up? I mean, I think offensively for the Yankees, that could be a huge... 
that's a huge storyline. You know, does uh, Sanchez come back? I mean, does he have a bounce back here? I know some people, he's uh, Gary Sanchez, the catcher for the Yankees. He's kind of, people have kind of a popular comeback. Not that he, you know. I mean, the the Yankees are good but, but it's, and But it's the old bloodline storylines, right? Exactly. But, it, but it's the same story I'll give you one. I mean, I'll, last no, year. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. And this is kind of a, a dark side. Uh, not dark side. That's a, that's a dark horse is the word I was looking for. Uh does Tampa Bay have enough to compete? You know, they had a strong finish last year. They were kind of a uh, an up-and-coming team, if not for the, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Red Sox winning 100 games. Um, you know, if the, if the Yankees, the Red Sox had a down year, they may have been a wild card. Well, and at least they're interesting because they do things Well, they have the reigning uh, Cy Young and Blake Snell. Yeah, and, and they're trying that starter opener yeah. or whatever you call that. So so that that's an interesting story. Like last year, though, when we had the same discussion, at least Shohei Otani sure, was sure. interesting. Right, right. And like... I don't know if you would say that worked out or didn't work out. He got hurt, but he hit really, really well. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- that was that was an interesting, different sure. sort of storyline. I'm not sure we go into this year. Well, the, well, the one big storyline is uh, what's going to happen to the remaining big-ticket free agents out there. Yeah, that's a good point because Craig Kimbrell Kimbrell's still has signed and Dallas Keuchel Keuchel's still is out still there. available. I mean, that, that that's probably the leading storyline. If you want, outside of like the Yankees and the you know, I Madison Bumgarner is probably going to get traded during the yeah. year, and he's you know a World Series MVP type player. But every year there are guys that are going to sure. get traded at some point. Like there aren't a lot of things, maybe the free agency that are unique to this season. Well, and the other thing, and it's not necessarily on the field, but you know, you know, the rumblings about the you know the labor deal coming up. You know, it, it, the changes like that are coming year up gonna next, next year is going to be really big. Next yeah, year, next there's year going to be a ton well, of because all those new changes are going to be right. Implemented. Rule changes and where are the labor negotiations and, and all of that. But like, I'm not saying I. But it's another year of haves versus the have-nots, right? I mean, essentially, it's the haves are up here and the have-nots. When have you don't are, have a salary cap, that's yeah. the case every year, and that's the problem. But there's not like a Kansas City Royals from like four or five years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know, that though, there's a single storyline. Yes, the Red Sox and Yankees always, of course. The Astros are really good. I think the Cubs probably bounced back. They won the World yeah. Series a few years ago. Last year, they weren't nearly as good. Seat? Yeah, like you can make up contrived yeah. stuff like that if you want. But, like, I don't know that there's really... 888-555-1212. <laughs> Give us a call. Yeah, like, like, I just don't know. Like, I like baseball, and I will... Watch I really hope somebody dials up 888-555-1212. With some interest, uh, uh, like, th- something's going to have to happen yeah. to grab the attention sure. of of a lot of people. Let's wrap up with this. Yeah, let's do it. We talked a little bit, maybe even more than a little bit, about the Alliance of American yeah. Football. I'm a big hotspot fan. As, as the season was approaching, as the NFL season was ending, and I realized shortly after watching the first week and a little bit of the second week that it wasn't going to work for me personally yeah. because it was going to cut into March Madness. Yes. And while not everyone is a March Madness person, between that and then when March Madness ends, it's the Masters. Yeah. When the Masters ends, you got the NBA and the NHL right. playoffs. I understand that TV ratings have been good for the AAF. Is that your understanding? Basically, I'll be honest with you, Dave. Um, and similarly to you, obviously, you know, for I, everybody knows us by now. I mean, you know, we work together at Winthrop. We, we, we like college basketball. I think since conference tournaments started and the NCAA tournament, I the the only reason why I'm even remotely still 
keeping an eye on the AAF is somewhat because I know we're going to talk about it. Also, uh, my buddy Chris, uh, he's a big Apollos fan, so we, we have a little hot shots in Apollos. Has Apollo's. he been an Apollos fan for years and years? I, I think, think I think was he, his dad an Apollos I think, fan? I think I think I don't know if they had that back in Louisville, but uh, so so like to me. It is kind of like I've lost interest because there's something else going on. Now, I understand they started when they started because they were taking the momentum of sure. the Super Bowl just being played. Now, I will be, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I will be, I, I'll kind of catch back up with them. I mean, I'm going to try to keep, keep up with them because Charles Arbuckle, who's a friend, uh, he's coaching the Hotshot, so I do try to keep up with them. But I, I would be interested to see the playoffs. Right. But... I've like I watched week one. I watched week two. Now I'm not going to have watched for five or six weeks. Yeah. I don't see myself turning it back on. Now I, I'm not suggesting that I am the the normal AAF fan. I think the normal AAF fan is just a huge football fan. Doesn't really give a hoot about basketball right. that much. So maybe maybe that's fine. But what if the alternative league, whether it be them, the XFL, actually started the season? A little bit later, because as a league owner, as an executive, what I want to compete against is baseball, which just isn't nationally Mm -hmm. as popular as football. And I don't think is as nationally popular as the NBA playoffs or March Madness, something like that. What if you started the playoffs? I'm sorry, started the AAF season somewhere around the time of the NBA Conference Finals. Now, bear with me for a minute here. Okay. The reason you do it is the NBA Conference Finals are played at night. Right. So you play your AAF first few weeks during the day on right. Saturdays and yeah. Sundays. What's about then, the kids? Of course. Then the NBA playoffs end, and you've got a month, six, eight weeks where the only thing you're competing against is July baseball. Mm. That's exactly where I want to compete. And then you have your playoffs that start at the end of July and into August and kind of take you right into the NFL preseason. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I understand that the first part of what you said makes sense. The playoffs to me doesn't, though, because now you're people are going to, I think, would lose interest because uh, college football is coming back. But it's not back. No, but but the interest level, especially here in Carolina, and maybe I assume it's this way in a lot of places. I know it's this way in New England. Like like the Red Sox are hot, but let's face it: when they start talking about opening of training camp, everybody, media wise, like all the attention goes to the, the start of training camp. Right, and, but and all the camp attention now is on March Madness. Yeah, but and, and who's watching the AF right now? Exactly, and that's why I'd rather compete with the middle of the season baseball. And no, but uh, what I'm saying, I'm agreeing with what I'm saying is, I uh, my time frame would move up. I'd move it up a little bit. I would be finishing up. I'd be doing my playoffs like in, right after Fourth of July. Well, there's but there's not enough time to do it. Like you have to still play an eight or a ten week season. Yeah, no, I mean, I would. Where I would, would you start? I would start it, or I would start it two weeks earlier. So I would start it. What would you say? The conference finals. So I would start like two weeks before that. Well, then you're competing with the NBA. Yeah, but you're still, but you, but all right. Well, pick your poison. I mean, well, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. It is pick your poison. It's where can you get the most eyeballs? And they chose, and maybe smartly so, to go right after the NFL now, season now the when one people thing, are talking football. The one thing I would say that would hurt, and I'm thinking from a TV perspective, not not from a maybe social media perspective, but from a TV perspective. I mean, I think if your viewers, and granted, we're losing viewers uh, a lot, but I think your your lowest viewership in TV is July and August. Or at least well, that may be true, but when people are watching TV in 
March and April and but May. But you're also asking people to go against ingrained things and you know, you're starting from scratch. Uh, one of the things I like about the AAF is I, I think getting a jump on the XFL was smart. Do you think, do you still agree what we said uh, several months ago, that there's room for one of them to succeed? I think so. Yeah, I, I do too. I do but too. I do think there's some tweaks to the formula that, that need to happen. I got to tell you, though, the way things look right now, I'm not sure that we can't have year-round football. You have the NFL season, I think you the need a AAF break, season, though. then the XFL season. Yeah, I think you need a break. I mean, look at who golf. Is, who is you? Who is you? Me? Yeah, I mean, maybe you personally need a break, but people that are football crazy want to watch football. Yeah, I, I, I think that's oversaturation. I, I think, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's just my opinion. I, I think I, I know I would. I look, I'm, I'm kind of what the the marketplace wants here, and I, I know I would burn out with too much of that. But the ratings indicate people are watching. And when the season ends and it's just baseball. No, you may be right, Like, but we don't have, there's nothing to compare it to. Right. And, and the easy answer is if the ratings are good and people like it, just continue. Instead of playing a 10-game season, well, play a 16-game I, I, I would equate it to this, though, right? Um, in the NFL season, it, it, there's been a little bit of momentum lost for the Thursday Night Football, hasn't there? I guess. I mean, they're still paying a zillion dollars to have the games. Yeah. I mean, like maybe I, I think that's more of that's more of a matchup thing. Because I think it's, it's more not, of a media discussion point. The quality of the game isn't that good, but people are watching the game. Yeah. Fox is buying the games, so I don't know. I mean, like, there's nothing else on TV getting better ratings. Like, do you watch the Thursday night game? Not really. I, mean, I only watch it when it's on. I mean, like, even if I complain about the quality yeah. of the game or the matchups. You'll watch it because it's on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what else? It's Thursday night. What are you going to do? Right. The, what are you going to watch alternatively? Of course I'm going to watch an NFL game. Yeah. I mean, but it's the same thing with the AAF. There are a whole lot of people that go, there's football on. I'm going to watch football. I think you could have football on every day of the year. No, that's, I think. I mean, all those terrible bowl games. Yeah. No, you're right. There, There is. Well, I think it. Def what's your definition, though? Of success, right? Because if it's if it's ratings, if it is it people going to games, I think what's interesting. There's uh, one way to define success: Are you making money or not? Right. Well, the, the, but I, uh, to get back to the AF, I think what's um, intriguing about their model and why I think they'll be successful is just because you know right now, uh, because they're starting out, they have they have a pretty good handle on salaries, and so you know they're they're you know what they need to get back isn't as is, is what it is in the NFL. I have no idea what their budget looks like and maybe they needed to get bailed out after week 1 or or maybe not. I'm not exactly sure what happened there, but I think there's an appetite for football. Yeah, there is. I I would say though is it the law of diminishing returns though. And 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 this is where it would actually almost be good if you could get the XFL to wedge in between the AAF and the NFL and then you'd have that Okay, let's take a look at three or four years out and see. You know, does it die down? Uh, you know, does it cut into the NFL? Um, does does it have does it have legs year round? You you I I'm not saying you're wrong because you're probably right. I just know me personally. I don't. I think I'd I'd I'd, I'd I can't do it. I think that too, that's t 12 months of it is too much for me. That's Mike Pacheco, lifelong Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, Patriots, right. and Apollo's fan. Seasons? No, no, no. Hot shots. Hot shots. I'm sorry. How topical. Yeah. Wait, hold on a minute. Do we need a sounder? Do we have breaking yeah. news here? Yeah, this is this is very interesting. Six minutes ago, the USA Today is reporting that 
A majority investor in the Alliance of American Football says they are in danger of being discontinued Uh without the NFLPA's help. And essentially, they're saying they're not getting cooperation from the Players Association to use young players, and therefore they can't be a legitimate developmental league. Mm. We are looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league. Ooh. So maybe we were wrong. <laughs> maybe maybe the finances are not working. Maybe they're not working, or maybe it's just that uh, you know because you and I talked about this at the start of the AF was um, when we had that discussion about would it be considered a competitor to the NFL. I don't think we thought about it from the player angle of you know do players want to risk themselves in the AAF to give themselves a chance in the NFL? Uh, well, but mean, the risk is if you get hurt in the AAF, you, you may never see the NFL. The AEF was hoping to get permission to use practice squad players, particularly number three quarterbacks and young linemen, starting next season. The AEF's game plan was to be able to be what the NFL would call a triple-A baseball, right. or a minor league yeah. baseball. And the PA is saying the risk of injuries is too great. Um, if you're a player who's a borderline NFL guy, is it better to be healthy and on the bubble of a roster, or to be able to risk injury but go out and put something on tape. I, I guess that's an individual decision. It's got to be an. It's, I guess it would be almost different though. You can't compare it apples to apples, but it's kind of like playing in Europe versus playing in the G League. Or the- yeah, no, it is kind of like that. I mean, it, if you're a player and you you have NFL some sort of relationship with the NFL. I mean, I'm not sure. Who is the guy that started one of those last Panthers games? What was that guy's name? Oh, Taylor Heineke? And no, Kyle the other. Allen. Kyle Allen. Yeah. Is he on a roster right now? Um, he's The Panthers did sign him, but I thought I thought one of those guys was playing in the AAF. So if you're, if you're Kyle Allen, who was kind of like a third, fourth string NFL quarterback, are you better off having started one NFL game and playing kind of okay, pretty well, going into the offseason and trying to make a roster out of camp or playing six or eight or ten AAF games? I mean, because those are the players we're talking about. Right. And, and his his example, his case is um, maybe not typical because he got that He rep. got elevated, and, and so he was able to open eyes that way. Um I still think. Well, it's, it's, I guess is it this? Is it the same argument too? Would you rather be the fourteenth guy on Carolina or be a star in you know a, a lower level or mid mid major? Yeah, I mean the the difference is it's I mean, the players association. Well, they get paid, so it's yeah. I mean that's a different right. I mean the players association is going to put out. Well, an you know umbrella. it's kind of like actually it would be, be kind of like uh, if we were going to open up a competing baseball league around the time of the lockout in '94, and so. Because if you you know now you may be considered a scab if you play in the AAF. Right. That 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 there is a similarity there. I don't know. I mean, I don't really see the reason the PA without a financial incentive would loosen their stance. Do you I think mean, it has something to do with the fact that uh, how low the salaries are? That's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the bigger thing. Um, well, what's interesting is. Isn't by saying without that cooperation that we may go out of business admitting that this year is not going well, or, even if there's interest? Or or is it um, they had designs of being maybe a, a higher step than Arena League, and then without that participation, they're just 
like the Arena League, except they're playing in a, on a bigger field. It certainly feels like a red flag. Right? No, because, I mean, I think Arena League is, I mean, it's you can still be the proving ground to get the, the, the opportunity, but it's but it's not going to be an opportunity for the fringe guys that are practice squad guys. They have to make a choice whether they want to go one route or the other. And the PA is going to make them difficult to do that. Right. And if and well, and and what's the repercussions if you say, all right, I just got cut from a practice squad, but the Apollos are going to pay me. You know, it's a, it's a life decision. But does then that preclude you from the next season having an opportunity to try out and make an NFL team, make an NFL roster? This might be our last discussion of the AAF <laughs> because it may not be around much <laughs> longer. Oh, and, oh. What, and what does that do for the XFL? I know the XFL is a different kind of model, but... You would think it was good. One less competitor would be right. a good thing. No, but are they... Um, but it's the same dilemma, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I still thought that TV ratings were good, and therefore you can sell advertising, well, here's the question. and therefore it's profitable. But, but, here's, but here's maybe the, I'm wrong. But here's the question, right? Because with the XFL, it didn't get to that point where I think the Players Association was involved. So you had like a Rod Smart who was able to you know, you know open some eyes playing in the XFL and then actually played in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. The, that's the big question, and we can't answer it. But the big question is if you play in these um, – you know, outside the NFL leagues, without kind of the sanction of the NFLPA, what what does that do for your future career? Yeah, I mean, but why w- wouldn't a AAA? I guess a AAA would be good for the owners and bad for the players. I mean, the, why would the owners not want a developmental league? From a player standpoint, though, if guys are not getting paid much money and they are risking injury, then maybe they have a hesitation there i don't know are you better off playing eight games as a starter in this league than being uh, on a practice squad where you may never even get a sniff i don't know that's a good question that might be a good place to end today <laughs> all right give us your thoughts if you want uh bearded carcast at outlook.com we encourage you to subscribe we're on itunes soundclouds you've probably listened to one of those two spots if, and, you know, if, if you're listening and it's not in one of those tell spots, us, I'd like be, to learn more be, about that. I'd be very curious to find that out. All right, and you can always follow us along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast.